Hi, you're listening to the AUSA podcast. I'm Brenna, the director of student activities. And I'm Luke, the podcast producer. Often you'll find us here chatting with some of the incredible people of AU, talking about life on campus, and of course, telling you about the events that we've got coming up. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am your special guest introduction, and we have my two <laughs> very special friends, Brenna and Luke, here today. Who are you? you? Oh, I'm Drew. (laughs) Okay. That was a great intro. That was a good intro. To be really put on the spot, you did great. Yeah. I don't I don't really bring the energy much, so Yes. I'm excited for today. Um, good job. And I'm excited about Jesus. So Yeah. What are we talking about, Drew? We're talking about (laughs) Jesus as culture maker and what that looks like for Mm -hmm. us because we've been talking about culture all season long, about Mm -hmm. um, different aspects, but the ultimate culture maker is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we want to dive into who he is and how he came into our culture. Yeah. We talked a little bit last week about, um, or or two weeks ago Mm -hmm. about, um, because we were off last week, about what it means to, like for us to be culture makers, what that looks like um, in in our society, what that looks like on our campuses, um, in our friend groups, um, wherever we are. Um, We talked about some different attributes of what makes a leader. Um, we talked about just all the things. Um, and maybe in hindsight, we should have talked about Jesus first, but I think, uh, this might give a good lens looking back on the episode to kind of put all these things onto those things. And then also take the things we talked about last week and say, oh, these actually all really come from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, because they do. Um, I think we get uh, like Drew was saying, like talk about the humanity of Jesus, like he, he was saying before, like, he's 100% God, he's 100% man. That does not equal 200%. Like, he's just, that's just what it is. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of times we forget the, like, we, it's easy to remember, like, oh, Jesus was a, a divine person. Like, he did miracles, he healed people, he, like, rose from the dead, like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's easy to forget that he was, like, a guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just a, a, a person, mm-hmm. a normal human mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, to to an extent, yeah. Um, Until we knew otherwise, there right? Was no exactly. Reason to assume much. So, like, when you guys think about that, like, what does what does humanity entail for Jesus? Yeah, I think of the emotional array that Jesus had. So, like, Jesus was perfect and and sinless. That means everything that he did was without sin. So, one of the things I think of is like. Jesus had the full, like, emotional scale. Like, he was, like, super happy, but, like, he also cried, and he took naps, and all these different kinds of things. But, like, all those things are not sinful. Like, therefore, like, Mm. when we have emotions, like, our emotions are not sinful. And got angry. Yeah, he got angry, too. Like, all these things are, like, he did without sin. So, like, we also can have the full array of emotions, and it's not bad for us. It's not wrong. Mm. Um, yeah, that's important for us when we're thinking about like how to lead, how to make culture, how to influence culture. Because like, if we don't measure what we do or say, then everyone's going to look at that and they're going to kind of discount what you do and say. Um, you know what I mean? I think of it, on the other hand, uh, physically. Mm. Um, and I think mm. I, I was just talking about this as like kind of an activator and a person that always wants to move quick. I am always tempted to think I don't need sleep. I don't need to eat the right food. I don't need to exercise. Um, as if I'm like superhuman, that's immune from those things. But like you said, Jesus did nap. He did need those things also. Um, so I think for humanity, looking at the example of Jesus, I'm reminded that he is just as human as I was. Um, again, fully God, fully man, but 
he also needed a nap. And so obviously I don't look at Jesus and think mm. you needed things that I don't need, you know, <laughs> right? like you were fully God. And so if you needed a nap, then I probably do too. Um, and so <laughs> I, it, I think just gives me better perspective on the physicality of what it means to be a human. Mm. Yeah. Um, something that like, I don't have much experience with. Well, the other morning I woke up with a terrible headache, but mm-hmm. one of my professors, um, Dr. Wyma, she has like chronic migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, and she'll, she was talking about it one time. Um, and the way she said it was like, Jesus understood the pain that I feel in my head because like Jesus experienced the full breadth of hum- human suffering. Mm-hmm. And so like Jesus had a headache you know what I mean? Like Jesus yeah. is intimately acquainted with that type of pain, maybe mm-hmm. not chronically, right? Mm-hmm. But like at least once Jesus woke up with a sore neck or mm-hmm. Jesus, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or, yeah, like he pricked his hand while he was working or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's like, oh man, Jesus stubbed his toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's crazy. Yeah. One thing that I think that I've been thinking about a lot is this idea of like, so Matthew and Luke both include genealogies uh, when they're introducing Jesus. Um, Luke introduces Jesus first. He's born and then he does a genealogy, which is weird. I don't know why he does that. That's kind of strange. Um, but then Matthew just kind of like starts right off the bat, which is more normal, I feel like. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, yeah. yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, and then there's the genealogy. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Check. Okay, well. Shouldn't we have done this first yeah. and then he's born? <laughs> um, they're kind of similar, but they're also not similar. Um, this inclusion of both, gene- like, two genealogies is, like, an important thing in Jewish culture because, like, this represents, Matthew's represents, like, his, his the royal lineage that he's a part of and that he's a part of the, the founding member of the family of God. He's connected to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also connected to David. Um, Matthew makes that super clear. But in Luke, he starts with this weird um, phrase when he is talking about like Jesus, the son of Joseph. And then like almost in parentheses, he says, so it was thought or like, you know, yeah, it was assumed that. that he was the son of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always found that weird, but I think um, and Andy Crouch in culture making kind of helped me flesh this out a little bit in my brain. Um, but I think like when we're born at, like as, as people we're born into this like culture in an abstract sense, like the culture of the United States or the culture of South Carolina or Massachusetts or Tennessee or wherever, you know? Um, and like, but also we're born into a very, we're born into a culture in a very tangible sense in that, like we're born into the culture and the practices of our family, like the traditions of our family. We're born into the traditions of, like even just like a small town, like all these different things. Along with Jesus' humanity came with a like a culture inher- cultural inheritance, that's hard to say, um, which is this identity that he had that's just placed in this act of making something of the world. So like every human being, looking through the genealogy, like Adam, like David, like Abraham, like all these random dudes, um, Jesus has a father, even in his case of like miraculous conception, mm-hmm. um, his dad is, his human dad is Joseph. Um, and so having a father, having a heritage of like patriarchs, um, 
means to arrive not just in that like abstract culture of Judea or mm. the Roman Empire or whatever it is. And that's important for the story of Jesus for sure. But it also means to arrive in the cultural tradition of like a Jewish family of uh, a language of Hebrew and Aramaic, of like a people and a nation and a national history um, of this family of God, um, which is like, Jesus was so Jewish. Like he was so Jewish. <laughs> and um, I think that's easy for us to forget. Stephen Splon at BCM Retreat recommended this book, Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus. And I found a PDF and I was just like paging through it. And Boy, oh boy, is it a Jewish book. <laughs> and it is so cool and so refreshing. He calls Jesus like Yeshua bar Yosef, the whole book. And I'm like, that's cool, man. <laughs> like we don't think of Jesus as this like bronze-skinned Middle Eastern man, mm-hmm. um, which is like just the tip of the iceberg of, oh, of yeah. like the, the ways that we – there's just the little things that we think about Jesus wrong, not these big deep-seated theological yeah. issues. Um, but I think – realizing that Jesus has this cultural inheritance alongside his humanity is like key and like moving forward in this conversation. But um, are there any like specific like traditions or things that like you guys feel born into, like for better or for worse, like a part of your family or part of your, um, like what is your cultural inheritance? Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, I am born in the United States and just like automatically that puts me mm-hmm. in the yeah. top population of the world's wealth. And like to actually realize that like is shocking. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like seeing other people in other nations who one don't have the access to money that I have, but two, the access to the gospel that I have mm. like has been so eye opening. And to realize that like the culture I was born in is unique. Like I've mm-hmm. no one else has, been raised in the way that I was, was in the same place, had the same family, um, and still, like, I don't know, Jesus meets me where I am at, like, in my specific culture, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's just, like, I'm very much blessed beyond the majority of the world in many different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I have anything to add. What about you, Luke? I don't know. I feel, like, specifically for, like, my like the region that I, w- I am from, mm-hmm. I feel very... It's very interesting, like coming from New England, from Mm -hmm. such a different Mm -hmm. like set of cultural practices, even in like it's not impolite to just like walk past somebody and not even like pay them any attention. Mm -hmm. Whereas like here, like if you kind of know somebody and you just blow past them, like they might take that. If they're from around here, they might be like, oh, like he doesn't like me or whatever. Um, And so I think like little things like that – aren't necessarily bad, but it's been interesting to see how they can be when they're moved to a, a culture that doesn't have the same set of practices. Um, I mean, it's the, we'll get there, but it's the same with like Jesus. Like mm-hmm. he's coming from this radically different culture with radically different set of practices, the kingdom of God into the kingdom of man and calling us to do the same thing. Yeah. And the, of course these practices aren't bad but when they're transferred into a different culture, they might seem bad. They might seem counter because they are counter. Um, so everyone is going to look at those and be like, uh-oh, that's that's lame. Yeah. He can't do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. That that was a trickier cre- question than I expected it to be. <laughs> it, while it was coming out, I was like, oh, my goodness. This, this is a hard question. Um, I was trying to think of it. I think that's an okay answer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. I think I think that could be like a whole episode unpacking yeah, that. I think that's a, a cool idea of a cultural inheritance. Um, but uh, so Jesus was born uh, as a person, and then as the story goes, he is suddenly twelve. And then he is suddenly 30. <laughs> no terrible twos for Jesus. No terrible twos. Um, and when I was a kid, I was like, weird, that must be a part of his divinity that he just... <laughs> Immediately came up. Yeah. I was just like, the the oh, here, the cultural practice, the cultural tradition that I was born in was, of, of Christianity, was very like, oh, like, if there are any holes in the Bible, then we can't, uh, then it's like not right. And so I was like, that must mean like holes in a narrative. <laughs> like if there's like a gap of time, that must be not what it is. So like what I'm reading on the page. And yeah, now I read stories as a, my major. <laughs> so uh, got over that pretty fast. But like what was Jesus doing for 30 years? Mm-hmm. Or I guess for a, like 11-ish years and then for like... 17. Yeah. Like what was he just... Uh, you know yeah he was being jesus yeah so i think like this a a question that a lot of i've heard a lot of people run into my uncle's an atheist and he asks me this quite a lot he's like why did jesus wait so long to save the world and i'm like okay todd (laughs) (laughs) um and i think it lies in the answer of that lies in this idea of like being a culture maker like we Mm -hmm. talked about like cultivating um the things that you have been given. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what Jesus did. I think that's why he waits so long, right? Like he, as a kid, would have gone to, oh, what's it called? Anyway, <laughs> he would have gone to like Hebrew Bible school um, and like learned about, Jesus would have like been like brought up to be very familiar with scripture and very familiar with the cultural practices of the family of Israel. I mean, he practiced the Shema, yeah. you know, which is Deuteronomy six, mm-hmm. four, which, which like, is like the most like devout thing that you could practice. Yeah. Um, and which is cool. And like, I think it's interesting to think, I think this might be dangerous sometimes, but like to fill in the holes of like what, like what practices are there that Jesus, so like to think of Jesus, like walking out his door and looking at his doorpost and seeing the Shema there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's so interesting. And like all these other things. <clears throat> um, and he also learned and practiced a trade, right? Joseph taught him yeah. how to stone mason, carpenter, whatever you want to, who knows? There's not much wood yeah. in Judea, so it probably was <laughs> rocks, but whatever. Um, and also like, he took part in the pleasures of life. Like he enjoyed meals and he uh, like hung out with his friends and he did chores and he took baths and naps. Mm -hmm. Um, Like he was a deeply human person. Um, And, and seemingly to everyone around him, only that for the majority of his life. Um, In his like early years, Jesus spent most of his time absorbing, practicing and like, passing on his culture like by like becoming a rabbi literally passing on the the tradition of judaism um in a different way yeah obviously um i think there's a a certain sense of like him going through life and like having to learn like how to sit under people which like he obviously knows everything yeah so like he didn't have to sit under 
like the teaching of all these rabbis, which we see in his account when he was 12, that he was like, mm, actually, let me teach you guys, which is probably move. Um, he's like, I am that guy. Um, but Capital I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you just kind of see him like learn the idea of like going through growing up in life and mm. situations and friends and like how to deal with that. And like, is that not us? Like <laughs> we don't have gaps in our narrative of being like, oh, like we were now 12 and now I'm 30. Like, so like he learned how to grow through life and like we also need to learn how to grow through life. Even though we don't have specifics mm. of like yeah. what happened, like we can just mm-hmm. still learn from that. And we can like, if we look at Jesus's ministry, <clears throat> we can see the ways that he experienced life so similarly to how we experience life, mm-hmm. even down to like temptation. Mm-hmm. And we can think uh, that must have been how it was for the years that we yeah. don't get. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the verse? Is it like Jesus grew in wisdom and stature sure. mm-hmm. and in favor with God or mm-hmm. God and man or yeah. just man, whatever. Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's like the same, that's the same wording. Like, for Samuel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is yep. so cool. Like this great prophet, advisor, whatever. Like that's the same language we get for Jesus, yep. or that's the same language we get for Samuel. However, however yep. you want to look at it, um, I think it's like an honor both ways, especially in Jewish culture. Like yeah. to think of someone as Samuel, and then to read the same words about Jesus, you're like, this guy must have been important. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a cool little distinction. But like, that's all we get. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like you were saying. I think uh, the going back to the question of, like, why did he wait so long? Um, he has a plan. Mm. He had a plan. Mm. And then you see that in right. uh, his account in John when he is, like, doing the whole, like, wine party trick. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> um, he almost is, like, mad at his mom, like, Mary, because he's like, you okay. know that this was at the time. Like, yeah. Mary had <clears throat> insight and, like, knew the whole game plan, too, but mm. she just got excited. But... <laughs> How much, how much grace and compassion does that show of Jesus? That like that wasn't his time, yeah. but Mary wanted him to move and to act, yeah. and he did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he he seeded that mm-hmm. in humility and in and really love and compassion, because mm-hmm. um, Mary didn't want these gracious hosts to be embarrassed that mm-hmm. they were out of wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she spurred Jesus to action. And also, we just talked about the implications of like Jesus, like a woman moving that yeah. and like doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And he only told the servants. The servants were the only people that, that yeah. knew. That story is crazy. Just, it's so good. It's <laughs> so rich. That's a good story. Um, yeah. So Paul has this verse and he like names Jesus the, uh, the image of the invisible God, which is mm-hmm. a cool little, cool little turn of phrase, Paul. <laughs> um, but like that image of the invisible God, the divinity that lies in that in Jesus's twenties was like manifested, displayed, whatever you want to say in the life of like just a guy, you know what I mean? Like someone who didn't, someone who looked maybe more similar than we would like to admit to like the guy who lives down the street who's mm. just like extra kind to everybody and you think he's weird because of how yeah. outgoing and compassionate he is. Um, it's like for 30 years, the son of God would have just looked like a, a student of scripture and a pretty good carpenter, um, which is which is crazy. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, and tough to think about because it's like, well, then what's the implications of that for the people that we're interacting with? Um, especially who have Jesus in, in them, like, yeah. uh, as believers, this is like moving from, uh, Genesis one to Genesis two. Uh, we talked about this with Drew again, also yeah. at the beginning of the season, <laughs> um, how Genesis one is kind of this big, like just big is really the only <laughs> word I can think <laughs> right, of, right. um, account of like creation. And it moves through all the days and like this giant, like beautiful expression of creativity. And then Genesis two is this intimate and dirty scene where God makes Adam out of mud. Um, And so just like that, like this is Jesus moving from this vast cosmic drama to a divine hand in the dust, um, Mm -hmm. which is cool. And so like, thinking of Jesus as passing on culture, as taking on culture along with flesh in his humanity, like, are there any specific ways that you see Jesus being a cultivator of culture in his ministry? Like, talking now not about, like, oh, what happened in the years that Jesus wasn't doing anything. Like, what did Jesus do in his ministry that maybe passed on Jewish tradition that maybe, like, emphasized or pushed forward, like, being a person? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the cool things I see is all throughout Jesus' ministry, he, like, first reaches the humanity side and then goes to the spiritual side. Like, so, like, feeding the 5,000, like, he first, like, broke bread and, like, gave it to everyone. And I was like, hey, like, by the way, like, I'm Jesus. Like, I'm the bread of life. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, And, like, each time you see him, like, he will, like, heal someone. Like, he'll, like, heal a leper or, like, paralytic person. Like, whoever it is, like, they meet the physical ne- needs first, and then he meets the spiritual needs. Um, and those are not separate, but they're all woven together in mm-hmm. his ministry. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's a perfect segue, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, like, obviously now you probably see where we're going, like, thinking of Jesus as cultivator of culture. Um, there's this other side that's more, I think, m- way more evident, like in his ministry. Uh, he's like a a creator, right? Yeah. A cultural creator. We can talk about John one, um, and how like all things were made through him, and there was nothing that wasn't not made through. John is weird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. He wasn't writing in English. I he gets am. a pass. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, after so many years, thirty years of just like hanging out and watching and waiting, Jesus takes all the cultural practices that he's been keeping um, and he flips them on their head. Like he turns everything upside down. And at the same time, he's echoing God's plan and design for like how to be a human person, specifically how to be a Jewish human person. Which was hard for them to like yes. adapt to, mm-hmm. really hard. And then he like, he keeps that, right? He retains that still, but he recasts it in these radically new ways that like, the religious leaders of the time had just like not, it's not that they like shoved aside. They just hadn't thought of it in that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he comes and he absolutely innovates. Um, Like we talk about the, if we want to incite lasting change, the only way to do that is to create something. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what we see Jesus doing through his ministry. And the perfect example of that is the Beatitudes in Matthew five. Like he says all these like crazy things. Like these absolutely bonkers, insane things. Like, 
Blessed are those who weep. Yeah. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's like, yeah. okay, like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? All these things, like, like the poor will inherit the kingdom of God. Like, mm-hmm. what? So many backwards things. Yeah. And, like, the Beatitudes, I feel like, the Sermon on the Mount in general, but specifically the Beatitudes, screams at me like it's Jesus's mission statement. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like one of the first times he teaches, he, or is the first time he yeah. teaches to like a big group. Yeah. Um, and he's announcing why he's here. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like all these different things, every part of the Sermon on the Mount is addressing a part of Jewish law and tradition. Yeah. And it's, it's addressing it and it's, reshaping it yeah and he kind of like in the middle of the sermon gives his whole thesis statement which is like for i did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it yeah um you know so that's just cool you know he is (laughs) again he is that guy he is the one to like Mm. fulfill every single thing that he was talking about and then flip it on its head it's like hey wait by the way all this is actually about me Uh (laughs) so you should like probably change your perspective because it's like (laughs) You don't know what's coming yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, like, that's very big. Like, I'll, we're talking, like, mission statement, vision statement. Like, that's, like, the yeah. big picture of Jesus. But to, like, zoom in and focus in on, like, how Jesus did what he was saying in the everyday is, like, just look at how he ate with people. Um, in, like, Jewish culture at that time, meals were, like, the thing. Like, it was, like a, like, a dinner party was, like, how you knew if you were in. Like, that was, like, the cultural, like, that was, like, the the measuring stick of, like, success and status and all these different things. And Jesus ate with, like, Sinners. I, Jesus <laughs> ate with important people maybe, like, twice, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that we know of. And mostly he was eating with sinners. I mean, after he calls Matthew a tax collector that nobody likes, he's like, hey, let's go to Matthew's house and let's hang out with a bunch of money changers, <laughs> thieves, and prostitutes. And his disciples are like, and then the religious leaders come and they're like, hey, can we hang too? <laughs> they like, like a little FOMO. He's a like, horrible no. <laughs> Which is so funny. Um, and it's like about this redrawing of social boundaries for Jesus. Like mm. that is what the Sermon on the Mount established. That's what the Beatitudes established. That's what his practice of, his like altering of the practice of meals established. Mm. Um, and you want to talk about Jesus altering the practice of meals. Think about the ultimate altering the practice of meals moment at yeah. the Last Supper when he takes the covenant cup um, that was meant to represent the blood of the lamb over the door at yeah. Passover and instead says, hey, this is my blood that will be spilled out for you. Um, Peter Jaws draws. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, excuse me? Um, which is, oh, man. And, and to think of... His closest friends, his his twelve, right, as um, his students, not only his students, but like students of scripture, and just like Jesus, like keepers, like culture keepers. We talked about like if you want to be a culture maker, you first have to be a culture keeper. Mm. Um, yeah, and like Jesus did that. Now he's encouraging his students to do that as they are interacting with the world, as they're interacting with Jesus's teachings. They're also interacting with Jewish scripture. And they're also interacting with Jewish culture. So I really feel bad for them because <laughs> they're learning all these things about uh, like the Torah and like just scripture and, and all that. 
And then they're having to have Jesus reinterpret them to it to them. And then they're having to like kind of explain it to people sometimes. And it's just like this whole mess. Yeah, they, um, they have kind of like little group meetings sometimes. They're like, guys, I don't understand what Jesus said. Wait, I don't either. Okay, cool. Like they fall asleep. Confused, right? yeah. They fall asleep while he's praying. Yeah. Like all this stuff. But at the same time, like amidst the confusion that does not push away Jesus, mm. like it almost draws him closer. Like yeah. in the same scene you see John like laying on the chest of his savior. Mm. Like Wow, that's beautiful. Oh. Like, you know, like our confusion and just because we don't understand anything doesn't discredit us mm. from entering the presence of God or mm-hmm. being full of wisdom. Like yeah. he invites that in and says, like, I know you understand, but like I'm here to help. Like and mm-hmm. now we now have the gift of the Holy Spirit, like who is able to help us discern and understand these big truths. Mm-hmm. Oh, really yeah, cool. for real. Um, so I think ultimately, like, wow. Yeah, sure. Like the things Jesus said and the things he taught to people, especially the things he taught to his disciples that we have access to now is like those were all radical and those were all kind of bonkers and zany and unheard of um, and great. But it like that's not what got him killed. Like nobody liked to hear that. They're like, oh, but it was like Jesus's actions, like all of the religious leaders, all the people who didn't like Jesus were most provoked to ki- literally kill him by the things that Jesus did. Like mm-hmm. the thing that got Jesus arrested was his very measured, very deliberate, very like patient. Like he waited so yeah. long. He went to the temple every year and he saw what was happening there. Yeah. And so he waited to, you know, go absolutely wild in there. Uh, <laughs> he went and sat in the corner and he was braiding together a whip and Peter was like, what is he doing? dude? What is, <laughs> what is this guy about to do? Um, and so, like, that's what got him killed. So Jesus didn't only teach creatively. He did teach creatively. Yeah. But that wasn't where he stopped. He lived creatively. Yeah. He also, like, audacious claims for yeah. to say that he is God. Like, oh. um, so. It's so bold. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, living creatively is to live boldly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, like, what does that mean for us, you know? Like, yeah. I think it, it's the things that we have in our head, the things that we are learning, like, they're worth nothing if we don't put them to action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this like one phrase as is like recognition without application is a false truth. And like, mm. that's just like really good to be like, Oh man, like, Oh man, I realized that I didn't actually hold the door for this person today. Yeah. Like, and then that's cool. But if the next time you don't act on that, mm. then it's worth nothing. It's like, it's a false truth to you mm. because like, we didn't you, actually, you do didn't actually do anything. Yeah. 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 We talked about this with Corey, um, like two weeks ago, like, in James, like, if you are a hearer of the word but not a doer also, then, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. tough news, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, like, I said it last time, and I'm going to say it this time because it just, like, ties in so well. There's this Tim Mackey quote. I keep bringing <laughs> this up, guys. <laughs> I on. love it. It's so good. Uh, but he talks about, like, if you say that you're a Christian but you are not compelled by Jesus to talk about Jesus, then, like, w- what are you doing? You know what yeah. I mean? Like you need to go and sit down and reevaluate where your values are. Because like if you're not pushed to talking about Jesus, if you're not pushed to action by your faith, yeah. then there's some there's some disconnect there. Not And like he clarifies, like not to say that like, you're not a Christian, you're not yeah. saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit, but like there's something happening that is keeping you from like reaching the full potential that God has for you yeah. um, within the gospel. And I think that's like, what we're saying like yeah do something like yeah. don't just say it 
Mm-hmm. Um, saying it is good. It's not bad. Yeah. But like when that becomes the end, mm-hmm. then it's like, don't. Yeah, it's worthless. Yeah, I think one way I, I thought about this recently was I was talking to a friend. It was we just came off of Easter weekend and everything mm. like that. We were like, what if we were impacted as like followers, disciples of Jesus, the same way that those 12 were? Yeah. Like the emotional turmoil that they went through, like, because they just lost their like one of the close friends. Mm-hmm. But then not only that, but how they're moved to action after the resurrection, like, just re- go read Acts. Like, you know, their the entire book is them being moved to action because of the the passion that they, like, felt from mm-hmm. Jesus' death and, and resurrection. And, like, we need to have that same kind of passion, emotions, feelings, and move to action because of it. Mm-hmm. Drew with these segues today, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, Jesus was born and then was 12, and then was 30. And then was 30. Uh, and then he was and 33 he after a while. Dies. And then he died. <gasps> Spoiler alert. No. So if you haven't read it yet, you know. But, um, yeah, he did. And, like, we did, we just came off of Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. But I think, like, we all get this influx of, like, once a year we hear so much about the crucifixion mm-hmm. and the resurrection. And it can kind of get a little, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like... Or like hit a peak for a day. Yeah, yeah. And then every sure. other day yeah. is like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I think to think of the cross through this lens of culture making and culture, mm-hmm. like the cross is a, a symbol. Like every every evil thing, every hydrogen bomb and gas chamber and spear and bow and arrow is like wrapped into one at the cross in this image of like, evil and death and destruction mm-hmm. um because like it was like it was the most brutal mm-hmm. form of of torture and execution in one mm-hmm. tool mm-hmm. uh at the time and and like even now looking back on it historians are like mm-hmm. what were they doing mm-hmm. why yeah. did they do mm-hmm. that yeah i literally just learned in all the easter talk that excruciating literally means out of the cross um and they had to actually create a new word for how terrible it was yeah <laughs> like no wonder well, we geez. yeah yeah. Right. yeah yeah i just andy crouch has these two quotes that i'm just gonna read because he said it better than i could um he said these are two separate quotes from different parts of the book but quote there's nothing to cultivate about a cross nothing good can be affirmed or tended to here mm-hmm. it is designed to extinguish life itself ruling out creativity with inexorable gasps of suffocation mm-hmm. um that's really that's a lot andy mm-hmm. uh, but it's true mm-hmm. uh, and then next quote the strangest and most wonderful paradox of the biblical story is that its most consequential moment is not an action but a passion not a mm-hmm. doing but a suffering the climax mm-hmm. of the Bible of like the narrative yeah. of scripture of Jesus's ministry of like our entire human history past like future or, and present like culminates at the cross yeah. and it like is a moment where Jesus is having things done to him yeah. like mm-hmm. he's being killed by man and he's having the weight of man's sin placed on him by God yeah. which is like you would think that Like, he didn't do anything in the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. He, like, went willingly. But, like, from there, it was all about surrender. Um, And that's how he dies. He surrenders his spirit. 
Um, and in his by his death, Jesus surrendered his human and divine power and right, honestly, mm-hmm. to create. Like yeah. he didn't like he has a divine right to create, obviously, because, you know, fully God, fully man. But also like because we're created in the image of God, we all have a human right to create. Um, and like Andy Crouch said, like the cross is a tool for literally snuffing that out. Like mm-hmm. final mm-hmm. solution, death. That's yeah. it. You're being too creative, go to the cross. You're not being creative enough, go to the cross. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there are these solutions beyond that, mm-hmm. but nothing is as final as as death. Yeah. Um, Dr. And, Stamps. Yeah. Dr. Stamps talked about this, uh, like, last semester, and he was like, okay, as a Christian, think about the worst thing that you can, like, ever think of. Like, your one hope for humanity, the one guy that <laughs> never sinned, like— he was the one that was brutally tortured, murdered, like, is hanging on a cross. Like, that is, like, the worst thing that, like, we can think of as Christians. Yeah. It's, like, our one hope He's was dead. killed. <laughs> it was dead. He's, like, but even God used that for his good. Oh, baby. Yeah. I think, like, I'm an empathetic guy. So to think of the disciples in on that Saturday, do you know what I mean? Yeah. On a day that is supposed to be for rest and, and worship. Mm-hmm instead turned into a day of like fear and Mm -hmm. mourning and it's like oh man wow there's a lot of things happening Mm -hmm. there um i was talking to jack void about it the other day and he's just going off anyway um but yeah i think like yeah that's just heartbreaking to me like thinking of like the fear that was there and like we're next and you know what i mean and how confused they would have been yeah because like like, my least favorite thing in the world was to be confused like to not be able to understand something Uh And so that literally would be torture. Like, like among grief and everything else, you're like also horribly confused. Like, he, this why was didn't him. you stop it? This why didn't you guy. do anything? Yeah. yeah. Or like thought they were wrong. Like some of them were probably like, this doesn't make any sense. Some of them yeah. were like, we were wrong. Like yeah. we, we spent missed it the whole time. three years yeah. devoting our lives to this yeah. guy who wasn't who he said he was. Mm-hmm. But. But. Nice. <laughs> Another spoiler. <laughs> Drew, go ahead, dude. Give the spoiler. Dude. Uh, Jesus rose. <laughs> no way, no way. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Um, yeah, we've. Ta- I think we've talked about this on here before, maybe, mm-hmm. um, in some episode. But I think it's really cool, and it fits well into here. So we're gonna talk about it again. Mm-hmm. The resurrection. Thinking of like, okay, obviously, whoa, crazy, cool. So many different reasons, like theological reasons. Yep. We could unpack that for mm-hmm. like an hour. We're not going to. <laughs> um, but like strictly in cultural terms, the resurrection resurrection was like the craziest thing that has ever Mm. happened and will ever happen um because of like drew mentioned at the beginning of the episode looking at maybe it wasn't the beginning i don't know when it was (laughs) looking at the like rise of the church from the resurrection like reading Mm -hmm. acts is exponential and insane like the speed at which (laughs) the church grows like peter preaches the first sermon is like you guys killed jesus but it's okay there's forgiveness and then 5,000 people get saved and right. baptized. And it's and like, more, we're at it <laughs> daily. Yeah. 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 What? Come right. on, dude. That's on, crazy. Um, and so we see the resurrection as a radically culture shaping event, just like Jesus was radically culture shaping. Mm-hmm. So it, it checks out, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things about the resurrection is how the Sabbath changes. Mm-hmm. Because, like, okay. If we think of any culture, we think of our culture and especially Jewish culture, like in in yeah. first century, uh, they valued ritual or, or tradition yeah. and time over anything else. Um, so, like the the 
practices that were passed down and like the genuinely like the the very length of time that those practices have been being passed down and then also like when to do those practices you know what i mean like yeah calendar Mm -hmm. was like king Mm -hmm. for ancient jews if they had google calendar it would be over it would be (laughs) game over dude it'd be their minds would be blown yeah they would have no idea anyway um and so like we think of most cultures do that like we as americans like we value that Mm -hmm. um so much so the resurrection caused this sudden disregard like they just were like forget it like Mm -hmm. within a few years of tradition and time by like devout jewish followers like even peter like Peter runs into so many snags with Paul because of how l- much he's clinging on to yeah. Judaism mm-hmm. and like Jewish practices. But even Peter, like they shift this, their special day from the last day of the week to the first day of the week, right? From Saturday to Sunday, um, where they don't do anything and they set it aside for worship uh, and praise and fellowship um, because of Jesus' resurrection. Like that was the day that Jesus resurrected. So they're like, this day is now the day. Like, mm-hmm. Because Jesus came yeah. to fulfill the law, that is the ultimate fulfillment of the law. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so the resurrection takes this like design that mm-hmm. that God has for culture making, and it shows us like how to do that in the image of God. Which like we talked about surrender. Like it's not power; it's faith. Like mm-hmm. Jesus didn't take power. He didn't like. Well, you could think of it like the the cross as his coronation. Yeah. Um, but like. It is a surrender um, Mm -hmm. of his life in Mm -hmm. the most literal sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, in all of this, wrap up, maybe, like, the last, like, if you're going to take anything from this episode. Listen in now. Listen in now. Um, Jesus doesn't abandon the old. He doesn't take things that we might see as outdated and set them aside as, like, dusty Mm -hmm. and, like, irrelevant. Mm -hmm. He takes those and he transforms them while, like, retaining them at their core mm-hmm. um in an act of overflowing love and trust mm-hmm. in god um and this is so cool in and by christ even the cross like the worst thing that that culture that roman culture could come up with um, and like symbolically the worst thing that humans can come up with mm-hmm. and the one thing that actually probably deserves to be set aside we talked about like some things deserve to be only condemned jesus takes the cross and he transforms mm-hmm. it into this emblem of trust and forgiveness and mercy and love. And like the the flag of the kingdom of God yeah. becomes mm-hmm. the cross that Jesus mm-hmm. was killed on because he didn't stay dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is so cool. It's so cool. Oh, anyway. Jesus is cool. Thanks, Jesus, Jesus is culture maker. Mm-hmm. Capital C, capital M. Yeah. Um, that's that. I have nothing else. Thanks for coming, Drew. Hey, Thanks, thank you guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you going to do the events for this week? Mm-hmm. And now to our most special friend, Brenna, and she's going to explain the <laughs> events for this upcoming week. Thank you, Drew, for that wonderful uh, teeing us up for events. So we are wrapping up the semester so happy friday today tomorrow we've got the greenville drive game if you haven't gotten a ticket yet i believe there's still some on sale in the student life suite so pop over there and grab a ticket they're just five dollars and it'll be such a fun night with literal dream weather so praise god Mm. um this coming monday we've got student appreciation day surprise nobody really knows about this one but there will be fun surprises all day long things popping up everywhere so keep watch of our social media for all the details on that on Tuesday, we've got the trunk sale. Um, so if you 
have ever thought like, wow, I wonder what those seniors do with their old mini fridges. (laughs) 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 Then this is the event for you. You come by an old mini fridge for your dorm. Um, There will also be clothes. There will be shoes. There will be all kinds of random things that people are cleaning out um, at trunk sale. And then on Thursday night is the late night breakfast. And that's a wrap. That's, That's all it, there is. Yeah. Late night breakfast will have obviously delicious breakfast served up by AU faculty and staff, but also some raffle prizes and fun stuff like that. So, oh. and then that's it. We're oh, done. No. The year is over. Yikes. Yikes. But we'll be back next week with another episode. Um, and then we're dreaming up maybe very another guest. couple or two after that. I know next week we have Dr. Turner. Very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. That's it. Yes. Happy almost summer. We'll see you back here next week. Bye. Blah.